We have been in the book of Colossians this, this fall, and uh, in the book of Colossians, what happens is Paul's trying to address a problem. Paul had never visited the, the church at Colossae, but Epaphras was one of his converts, and Epaphras kind of was a, was a key player in, in getting that church going, and they started having problems, so Epaphras goes up to visit Paul up in Rome and says, hey, look, I need some help with this, and so Paul writes this letter to the church at Colossae. Basically, here's the problem. These people had come to know Christ. They had gotten saved. They had put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And the, the Greeks were kind of looking at this going, you know, there's got to be more to it than that. It seems to me like there ought to be like this and that, and, and we don't understand this. So the Greeks started putting a great emphasis on, on knowledge, and, 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 and they started doing this deep thinking kind of study stuff, and they, they came up with these, some of these crazy ideas about how Jesus was like a spirit and not really a person and 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 try because in their world in the greek world matter was evil physical things were evil and spiritual things were good so in the greek world they couldn't put the two of them together so when you start talking about jesus being god and coming in a physical matter body they went good plus evil can't be together so they had this crazy way of separating them out and they started to teach this in the church. And so you had the Greeks doing that. The Jews came in, and when the Jews came to Christ, they kind of looked at it and said, you know, it just seems like there ought to be more. And I kind of missed some of the Jewish stuff. So in the Jewish world, they were like, you know, well, we think that, you know, it's great that, you gotta, you know, that you're saved, but you also need to be circumcised. And you also need to observe the feast days. And you also need to observe the Sabbath. And, you also need, and so they started bringing all of that into it. And so you kind of had this hodgepodge of everybody going, okay, we got saved and that's exciting, but it's not enough. We've got to have more. So they started wanting to bring all this stuff in. So Paul writes to the church, and basically the, the idea behind the book of Colossians is this. Christ is enough. And there's plenty just in Christ. you just got to figure that out. You don't have to keep adding all of this stuff to it. And so... Paul goes through this book, and, and we're in the first chapter. We're going to finish it this morning. Paul lays out some things to help them bring all of this together. So with that in mind, we're going to jump into Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 21. I'm just going to go through it section by section, and, and we'll just talk about it. Once you were alienated from God, and you were an enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Paul says, look, you need to understand that in the beginning, um, you were an enemy of God. You were on the outside. Both in your actions, in your attitudes, in your mindset. You didn't want God. You were living for yourself. You were doing your own thing. And he's writing to these people and he goes, You were once an enemy of God. But he goes on and he says, But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish, free from accusation. So let's walk through this. He said, Okay, at one point, before you got saved, you were God's enemy. Now God reconciled you. He took, he took enemies and he brought them together. And he made you, other passages say, his friend, a child of God. Um, and he said, but now he's reconciled you. And notice what Paul says. How? By Christ's physical body. He's addressing this Greek idea that physical and spiritual can't come together. He goes, no, 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 no guys. Remember, it was through the cross, through his death, so Jesus had a real physical body, 
And that's important because that reconciled you. That was part of you, of Jesus paying the way for you to be able to be saved. And he said, through Christ's physical body, through death, and then notice what he says. To present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. He said, look, the reason God reconciled you is there's coming a day that you're going to leave this world, and God, Jesus wants to present you before God this way, holy, without ble- holy in his sight, without blemish, free from accusation. He wants you, if you will, to be able to stand before God and Jesus to be able to stand on your behalf and say, he's with me. She's with me. And so Paul said, that's God's goal. That's what Jesus' goal. And in, chat, in verse 12, he said, God reconciled you. Here he talks about the idea of Jesus reconciled you. And he talks about the idea, he said, that's the ultimate goal for God in every one of our lives, is to one day be able to present us before God. Again, we're not holy, but we're holy in Christ. We're not without blemish, but we are in the sight of Christ. And we're not free from accusation except for the blood and death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He has reconciled us. He's taken care of all that. Now, notice what he goes on to say. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and don't move from the hope held out in the gospel. Now, this this is the problem. Because some people look at this and they go, so what it's saying is, you might lose it. Okay? Now, in Greek class in college, which is like purgatory for me. I mean, if there was a purgatory, it was Greek class in college, all right? I, 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 my mind, some of you don't realize what a gift it is when your mind can see one thing and transpose it into another, okay? So, like, for some of you, music, you can do that with music. You can look at notes, and you go, okay, that note means it's this piano key. And some of you can look at it and go, and, and, and singing, you go, that note means I go here instead of here. My mind doesn't work like that. It's never worked like that. When I, 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 t- I played trombone in, in, in junior high, I couldn't do that. So I wrote number positions underneath all the notes. Uh, that's the only way I could do it. Uh, when I, I, I learned, I want to say learned piano. I didn't learn piano. I learned that E, D, D, E, D, A, C, whatever. I, I just learned that, that this is the place. So I can't read music, okay? Uh, I, I and singing with a group, can't read music. I just put a bass next to me, I'll sing bass, put a tenor here, tenor, put both, it, good luck. <laughs> I'll mess them both up. But I mean, that's just the way it is, because I do stuff by ear. So <laughs> for me, I can't translate. And gr- so Greek was like, foreign language for me is just, it, it's, it's horrible, horrible. But there's one thing I do remember, and that is one of the first things you start out with in, in Greek class is what we call, one of the things that they, they emphasize is this thing called a first-class conditional phrase, okay? And, and, and here's what it means. It basically assumes that the first part is true and then the second part's going to be true, okay? In our language, when we do an if-then phrase, we don't do that. We say, if is the big question mark on the first part of it, then that might happen. In the Greek language, it assumes that this is true. So here's what he's doing. He's saying, he's assuming here <laughs> that Jesus is going to present you faultless in his sight without blemish and free from accusation because you're going to continue in your faith. That's the way he's saying it. Established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. Here's what Paul argues. He said, wait a minute. He said, you were a Greek and you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and now you're going, this isn't enough, I want to add some more of that stuff. Or you were a Jew, 
and you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and now you're going, this isn't enough. I want to add some of this stuff. And Paul says, wait a minute. That doesn't make any sense. He said, you just need to keep going in Christ. You don't need to add this other stuff. You don't need to keep bringing this other stuff in. And he keeps going. Notice what he said. This is the gospel that you heard and has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven of which I, Paul, have become a servant. And we're going to come back to this I, Paul, a servant deal. But notice what he said. He said, look, you left your Greek world to join this Christian world. Why do you want to bring it back? And you left your Jewish world to join this Christian world. Why do you want to bring that stuff in? He said, you accepted this gospel for a reason. Why do you want to now bring back in that stuff into this thing? And you know, you have to ask yourself that because that's what happens to a lot of us. You put your faith and trust in Christ and then you're like, you know, there's some stuff from my old world that I like. That I still want to do. And Paul's going, why? You left that for a reason. Don't go bringing that stuff back in. And now, notice what he goes on to say. Um, now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up my flesh, what is still lacking in regard to Christ's affliction, for the sake of his body, which is the church. Here's what Paul says. He says, look, he says, you need to understand that I'm up here in Rome paying a price for this whole Christian thing. And it's interesting. He says, I am suffering for you. See, here's what was happening. Paul preached an exclusive message with an inclusive application. So let me hang on. He used a bunch of words, so let me. Paul preached an exclusive message. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. We believe a very exclusive thing, that Jesus Christ is the only way to God. Not Muhammad, not works, not this, not that. We believe Jesus Christ is the only way. That is a very exclusive, narrow view of salvation. That's what we believe. But we believe that view is inclusive of everyone. For God so loved the world. That view is available to everyone. So we believe an exclusive message that's inclusive. Follow that? Because this was the problem. Paul was saying the gospel is available to everyone. So if you're a Greek, you're going what? Yes. Yes. We get to be a Christian now. We get to follow Jesus. We get to be included in this thing called the church. And if you're a Jew who has been under the law all the time and now realize that there is a new way, you're going, yes, we don't have to follow all of that. But now here's the problem. We don't have to follow all of that. We can become a Christian. Oh, we don't want them in. Because they're not circumcised. And they don't observe the feast days. And they don't do this. And they don't do that. And the Greeks are going, whoa, 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 whoa. We love this. But no, 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 no. We don't want them. So here's the thing. Because Paul had encouraged everyone to be a Christian here, both sides hate him. Both sides are upset with him. And Paul says, you know, I can't even win with you guys. He said, because you guys aren't happy with this idea that everybody... And, and, and Paul says, why? Because we're one in Christ. That's our common thing now. And he's trying to get this across to them. 
And so he said, I'm suffering from you guys. I'm suffering on behalf of Christ. And he throws, kind of throws this idea out. Not like Christ suffered. I mean, I can't ever measure up to that. But, you know, I'm paying a price. I've been in prison. I've been be, I'm in prison right now. And for the church, I, I, I paid a price for this thing called the church. Paul said, look, I, I, I paid a price for this thing to happen. And then he goes on. Notice what he said. Uh, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. Paul said, you know what, I, you know what my job is? He said, I'm a servant of God to help you understand the word of God. I'm here to help you grow. That's what Paul was saying. And he goes on. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, and is now the close to the Lord's people. He said, you need to understand, up until now in history, this whole thing was a mystery. The whole sacrifice, sacrificial Old Testament stuff, we didn't understand how all that fit together. This was a great mystery, but now, now the Lord has revealed it to his people. Now because of the cross, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, all of a sudden, this mystery is wide open. And he explains to us what it is. Um, to them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of his mystery. Which is, and he defines it, Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, you want to know what your salvation is all about? Christ in you. The hope of glory. And you want, to, you, want to, you want to really, a, a summary of what your Christian life should be? There it is. Christ in you. And it should offer hope to all those around you. Christ, and that, again, Paul says, I'm a servant. That's my job. My job is to help you grow. My job is to help you mature. My job is to help you get, get, become complete, mature, well, you know, well-seasoned in Christ. And then he goes on to say, he is the one we proclaim admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. He said, you want to know what your job is this week and my job is this week? We're servants. And it's interesting. There, there are two words for servant. One is the word that means slave. Um, often you'll see Paul say, I'm a bond slave of Jesus Christ when he starts letters and stuff like that. It's not the word he uses here. The word that he uses here is the same word we get our word deacon from. Or minister from diakonos. It's the idea that 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 we're to serve and to minister out of a heart of love and 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 joy and that kind of thing to the people around us. And Paul said, "Look," he said, "He's the one we proclaim, admonishing, teaching, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ." That's what we're to do this week. We're to find those around us that we can help and encourage and 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 call and 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 visit and and talk to to get help them to understand that you know what. God loves him and cares about him, and he hasn't abandoned him, and he's there for him. And he goes on, ends it this way. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. He said, I get up every day and say, God, I want you to use me. And at the end of the day, I'm going to go to bed exhausted, but I'm going to go to bed exhausted because I've done everything I can that God wanted me to do that day. He said, that's my goal. That's what I'm doing. And he's writing to these people trying to explain this to them, okay? So a couple of takeaways for us. First one, you need to understand you've been reconciled. If you're a believer, you're a child of God here this morning, you need to understand that. And you need to understand that what that means is, is that God is not your enemy. 
God is not out to get you this week. God is not sitting up in heaven waiting for you to mess up so he can wipe you out or hit you upside the head or bring a bunch of tragedy into your life. You've been reconciled to God. There's no need for that. God doesn't have to do that. You have been reconciled. You, have, you were his enemy. You have now been made his son. Now, those of you who are parents, you understand what this means. You know how you can get frustrated with your kids and upset with them, but it doesn't mean you stop loving them. You know, as well as I do, you want to do, do everything in your power to help them succeed. When you became a child of God, a son of God, a daughter of God, God said, you know what, look, my goal is to help you grow and mature and do everything I can to get you to be what I know you can be in Christ. The things that are going to happen in your life this week, they're not there to hurt you. They may hurt, but they're not there to hurt you. They're there to help you get to the next step. They're there to help you grow into what God wants you to be. They're there so that you can grow into what God wants you to be to be able to help those around you who need to grow and be what God wants them to be. In other words, part of it is you have been reconciled, and you've got, you got to keep that in the back of your mind. God's not your enemy. He's not out to get you this week. And he goes on, it's the, also this, this idea that his goal is to help you grow. Over and over again in this passage, he says, look, he's, he's, he, his goal is to present you mature and complete and one in Christ. Look, there's coming a day that you're going to take your last breath and you're going to stand before an almighty God. And, and Paul here says, you need to understand, you know what Jesus' goal for your life is? That on that day, he can stand there with you. And he can present you before God and say, you know what? He is. She is. Everything that I desired and designed for her to be, for you to be, in Christ, and present you before God, blameless, holy. That's what he's doing. And he's working in your life to develop those kinds of attributes, to develop those kinds of things. Look, think about it for a minute. We're, we're in harvest time, and you're watching the stuff turn just faster than can be. I mean, you know time I drive by, it's like, oh, wow. I mean, that just went from green to brown. Um, fall's one of my favorite times of the year. Fall and winter, I don't know why it just is, but fall is probably one of my favorite times just because I, I don't like the heat. Heat and I are not friends, but this time of year, we got it's like, ah, do I need a jacket? Do I not need a jacket? Um, I love it. But anyway, here, here's the idea. We're at a time of harvest right now. But if you think about it for a minute, it's been highs and lows to get to this point. We've had times of a lot of rain. We've had times of dry. We've had times of wind. We've had times of no wind. We've had, there's been a lot of highs and lows to get to this point. And we focus on all of the stuff coming out of the fields now, and we get excited about that, but yet the reality of it is we forget what it took to get to this point. And it's no different for our lives. There's all kinds of highs and lows, dry times, times when it's, it's dreary, times when it's rainy, times when it's tough. There's all kinds of highs and lows in this growth thing. You know, and, and, and that just comes with it. And, and God says, look, you need to understand, my goal, I'm not giving up on you. I'm, I, I want to grow some things in your life. You know, I, I want to I develop some things. 
And so we forget that sometimes. We, we forget that concept that, you know what? What God's doing in my life is for my growth. And then here's the last thing, and I, this is the thing that I think is the most important thing in this passage. And this is my, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, although I want to. Okay? Paul says, I am God's servant. Let me say it again. Paul said, I am God's servant. Here's a question I want you to wrestle with this week. Do you exist to serve God? Or does God exist to serve you? Let me say it again. Do you exist this week to serve God? Or does God exist this week to serve you? Because see, I think what has happened is we have forgotten the idea that we are God's servants. That God is not in heaven sitting back going, okay, what can I do to make you happy this week? And if you stop and think about it for a minute, some of the things that we take to God, folks, listen, we're crossing a line. Dear God, please give me a parking space up close. Really? Really? I mean, really? Your world is so centered around what God is going to do for you to give you a parking place up close? Okay, God. Now, now Lord, look, you know that my wife and I really want to take that cruise. So I need you to provide the money. So that we can go on that cruise. Really? The God of the universe existing so you can go on a cruise? I I mean, I'm serious. Where do we get to the point in Christianity that God is like our perpetual maid service? Or our bellhop that comes and does whatever we want to do? God does not exist in heaven to serve you and to serve me. We exist to serve Him. My life this week is His. And whatever He wants to do this week, if I am His servant, I'm willing to do. If that means I have to go talk to somebody I don't want to go talk to, then that's what I go do. If that means I have to make a tough call that I really don't want to make, okay. If that means that I've got to go through a health crisis in order to be able to be a testimony and grow and for God to use me to reach other people, okay. If that means that God takes my life so that others may come to know Him, that's okay too. Because I serve Him. And that was the attitude of Paul. Paul's like, my life, is, my life is not mine, it's yours. He argues that in 1 Corinthians when he talks about you are bought with a price. You go for God and your body and your spirit, which are his, they don't belong to you anyway. You and I serve him. And here's my challenge to you this week. What did you do last week to serve him? What did you do? Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
What are you going to do this week to serve him? See, we get so wrapped up in our little world and our little lives. And we want to make it all about us. You know, who did you call last week to try to encourage? Who did you stop by to see? Who did you drop an email to? Who in your office did you try to help last week and serve God? But is that not what Jesus taught? You know, many of you will ask me in that day, you know, or he talks about the idea of, you know, you know, when do we serve you? And he said, he said, when you, when you gave that cup of water in my name, that served me. And we try to make it so complicated, but it's not. But we wrap up so much of our lives about us. Paul said, I am a servant of God. Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, the world's not going to see Christ in us unless they see us as we serve Christ. I hesitate to throw this up, but this is because it's so deep. But I also think you're smart enough to get it. So I'm going to put it out on the thing that I put out on, on Monday nights anyway, just so you can read it. Because this one you've got to read a lot to try and get. Um, throw that up for me. Um, one of the... This is one of the quotes that I read this week that I thought was so good. He had to be what he was, talking about Jesus, in order to do what he did. Okay? He had to be God in order to do what he did. He had to do what he did in order that we might have what he is. Christ in you, the hope of glory. We must have what he is in order to be what he was. In other words, he came and showed us how to do it. He gave his life. He then puts himself in us in order that we can do what he was, what he did. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Look, God wants to use you this week. God wants to grow you. He's reconciled you. He's done everything he needs to do. You've got to step up to the plate on your part of it. And say, Lord, use me this week. Open my eyes to the people around me that I can serve, that I can help, that I can encourage. Help me to see this world like you see it, not like I want to see it. And use me this week. Christ in you. The hope of glory. I close with this. God is in the process of growing us to be what he desires and designed for us to be. He's reconciled us, and our focus and purpose is to serve him. God does not exist this week to serve us. We must serve him. Let's pray. Lord, there are some here today that have convinced themselves that they cannot be used. Lord, would you help them to understand that you have reconciled them? That, Lord, they have a history, they have a past, they have a life that can be used to reach, touch, encourage, and help others. Fathers, there are others here this morning that have wrapped themselves up so much in their world that the reality of it is, Lord, that they think you serve them. And, Lord, would you help each of them and help each of us to understand that, Lord, uh, we're here to serve you. 
And Lord, may it truly be said of each of us this week that as we go into this world, as we go to work tomorrow, as we go to work today, as we, we step into our world, that Lord, we would serve you by serving those around us. And Lord, may each of us be able to come to this, this time next week and look back and be able to find at least one way in which we served you in the last seven days. May you use us. And when it is all said and done, Lord, may Christ see, or may people see Christ in us. And Lord, we thank you that we have that hope and we have that future. And uh, use this time in our lives. These things we ask in your name.